This is the Full Frontal Living Podcast. I'm your host, master coach, and emotional resiliency expert, Lisa Carpenter. I'm here to be your guide through real, raw conversations, navigating life as a high achiever. This show covers what it takes to create physical and emotional well-being, along with how to honor and partner with your body. I'm here to guide you to a connected relationship with yourself, turning self-care into a way of being and not just another task on your to-do list. After all, the things we love, we take care of. This podcast gives you permission to love what you do, but love yourself more. Welcome to the Full Frontal Living Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Full Frontal Living Podcast, and I am so excited today because I've brought on my friend, my colleague, my ride or die, uh, Sarah Antonato. Sarah and I got to know each other about, gosh, I think it's about three years ago now. And we had an instant connection because both of us are so committed to our practices in physical and emotional well-being. Sarah is has been grounded in a daily yoga practice since the age of 20. And she started this because she was recovering from debilitating anxiety. Now, Sarah's also driven, ambitious, passionate, um, high achiever. And because of that, because of those qualities, she's been able to also grow a thriving business. Her business is virtual. She works with clients from around the globe, as well as supporting other yoga instructors, helpers, healers, coaches to grow their own um, business practice. She actually graduated from Boston University. So she's been able to combine her gifts in you know getting grounded and peaceful with entrepreneurship which makes her such a beautiful combination and i think so many people believe that if you're walking around peaceful and zen and one of those like meditating people that you can't be driven and ambitious as well and sarah and i are both here to model to you that you can want amazing things in life and you can build an extraordinary life and still take divine care of yourself and still be grounded and still find peace and stillness and take amazing care of yourself, both physically and emotionally. Now, Sarah travels yearly to India to study. So she is she is legit. She is no joke in terms of her practice and how she's studied. She's not just you know, get a 20 hour yoga certification. This is her jam. This is what she's been doing for years. And, you know, for over 16 years now, she's been growing her business. She hosts retreats annually. She teaches one-to-one sessions. She creates online courses and she really wants to bring these ancient tools into everyday life so that we can master where our thoughts are, how we're working through our emotions, and just finding that place of peace and calm. So she's also mama. One of her one of her children also has special needs, and she's still been able to ground into really making sure that she's taking care of herself. And she knows that when she does that, she's better able to take care of others. She's also 
soon to be an author and a podcast host. You can check her podcast out at Ancient Wisdom for the Modern Wellness Professional. She's phenomenal. I'm so grateful that she's in my life. And I believe that this episode is really going to help you come back to what a meditation practice can look like for you. Because I know I really struggled with this in the past. And we talk about that. I also want you to go and follow her over on Instagram and you spell her last name I-N-T-O-N-A-T-O. So it's Sarah Intonato over on Instagram. You're going to find her 10-day journaling program that is laced with different daily meditations. And you're going to also find an eight-minute meditation as long, along with a whole bunch of other tools that she has in her Instagram bio link. So without further ado, enjoy the podcast. And as always, head over to Instagram afterwards and let me know what your takeaways were. I would love to hear from you. And I'll see you on the next episode. Enjoy this one. Welcome everybody and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Full Frontal Living podcast. Today I have a very special guest on who has been on the podcast before. You have been on the podcast before, haven't you, Sarah? Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, you have been on. Uh, Sarah Antonato, who is my good friend, my colleague, my hold my hair back in those moments in business where... I just need someone to listen. I'm so grateful to have her in my life. And I wanted to bring her back on the podcast because she's also a master yoga practitioner, although she hates being called that. She's an amazing coach. She facilitates other yoga instructors really mastering their business skills. And Right now, in today's climate, she's what people need more of. So I wanted to to bring her back on the show to really share her with you. We're going to talk a little bit about mindfulness and meditation because this is a period of time in the world with everything that's going on with coronavirus and we're all being kind of forced to self-quarantine. We're really being called home to ourselves, connecting deeper with our families because now we're, you know, it at home with our family units. Uh, But also we're being called to connect in more deeply with ourselves and really explore and be curious about how we're seeing the world, what we want more of, what we want less of, what things are working for us and what things aren't. I know we've been having a lot of really big conversations in my household between, you know, me and my husband and me and my kids and This is a period of time that none of us have ever navigated before. We're all learning in real time. There's a lot of discomfort. There's a lot of uncertainty, which ironically, there was never certainty before, but we like to believe that as humans. Uh, So Sarah is here with me today because we thought we'd kind of dive into some of these topics. Uh, I'll have her walk you through a little meditation to get you started, and I'm going to let you, Sarah, introduce yourself in a way that's much more concise than what I just did, because I don't think I really paid uh, enough tribute to what you do and who you are and how you show up in the world and your years of experience. So introduce yourself to my people again. Thank you for having me, Lisa. I have been teaching yoga and meditation for 17 years. um, And they're 
the same and different, at, you know, which is very interesting. And I started yoga in my late teens, early 20s, because I had debilitating anxiety. And at the time, that was not as commonly discussed as it is now. And I didn't know how to handle it. So I went to my doctor. And thankfully, I had a great doctor who knew me well. And she said, you know, tell me about your life. At the time, I was 20 years old. I was in a really rigorous program in school. And I I was carrying a lot of stress. 9-11 had just happened, um, which of course I thought I was fine after that. You know, <laughs> I was not fine. Um, but because my daily life carried on in a way that other people's lives did not, I assumed I was fine. And it wasn't long after that that I started to feel like I literally couldn't breathe. And when I was telling my doctor about what I was feeling in my physical body, um, like my air supply was cut off. Basically, she said, you know, you've told me a lot about your life. What do you do for yourself? And I said, you know, I go to the gym and I love to exercise and I have some wonderful friends who I see and I go to yoga once in a while. And she said, you know, that yoga thing, why don't you try going a little bit more? In fact, Christmas break is coming up. Why don't you go multiple times a week and we'll touch base in a couple of weeks and you'll tell me how you're feeling. And I'm so thankful she gave me that nudge because I had nothing on my plate. It was school break. So I prioritized myself and it was the only time in my day where my brain felt quiet. It was the only time in my day where I felt relief and the rest is history. I realized quickly that if yoga could help me get off the ledge, it could help anybody. And I didn't know why it worked at that time. I didn't know how it worked. I just knew that it worked. So the rest of my life has really been about learning about why it works and how it works and how it can really help anyone who's willing to try and willing to put in some energy into testing it for themselves. Um, I laughed to myself when you were talking about how our world is churned up in a state of chaos and uncertainty right now. And the irony is that we never have certainty. And I always think of my trips to India. I've been to India 10 times to study yoga and meditation as a practitioner. And when you go to India, it is immediately clear that you have no control over anything. Life there just moves at a different pace, um, which is completely unpredictable. Some things move fast, some things move slow, some things are organized, some things are not. And I think in our culture here in the West, we have the illusion of certainty. Things are neat and orderly. You know what line you're supposed to go to at the airport. Everything is clear. And in India, it's just not like that. And you realize very quickly, oh, if I'm going to stay here and really start to embody these teachings of yoga and surrender and non-attachment, I've got to catch on to how this works really quickly. And so whenever I come home from India, people will remark on the photos or videos that I share and say, you know, how do you handle that? It looks so intense. It just looks so wild and so crazy. And I had anxiety just watching it. And I always think of if India were a person, she would look like the big earth mother and say, oh, you know, you're here to learn about being centered and being present no matter what. Okay, here you go. And just thrust you into this situation where you have no control over anything and you learn to be okay with it. So this week I've really thought to myself, we here in North America are learning that lesson really quickly. We're getting a crash course 
in this. And I'm thankful that I've had the little tasters of being in India and learning it because they just operate in this dance of non-attachment and here it's new for everybody. So I'm thankful that I've had that experience to prepare me for this. There's so many things that you said that I want to circle back around to. Um, One of which was, you know, after 9-11, thinking that you were fine. I knew I wasn't fine. I was an emotional hot mess, but I just kept, you know, head down, keep going, right? Like I'll turn off the TV and I just won't deal with this anymore. And the energy that we're experiencing right now, the collective energy, because we have to remember energy impacts all of us. And if, you know, if you're sitting there going, well, what do you mean energy, Lisa? Like the, the moon impacts the tides. That's, that's energy, right? How does a, I've been up in a glider before with no engine, right? Like that's, solar energy, the heat coming off the earth keeps the glider up in the air. So we are all radiating energy all the time. So we are kind of sitting in, you know, the global hot tub of everybody's stuff right now. And we are being impacted and high achievers, overdoers, high functioning women. We are the people that you want around in a crisis because we are the ones that, you know, we'll row the boat faster. We'll pull the people in the boat. We'll do all the things And we kind of get into this delusional state that we're okay, but we're not okay. We're, we've just found a way to cope with our emotions, but we're not actually feeling them or releasing them because we believe that one, we don't need to. And if we just keep doing, we're going to find the answer and, you know, we'll come out the other side and that's trauma that's getting stored in our body. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. And the, the other thing that is really important to me in my relationship with you and the people that I bring on the podcast. So I don't do yoga every day, but I'm in the gym every day, most days like you, you know, it's your level of commitment to your practice. And there's a lot of people out in your industry that aren't, necessarily in integrity with the practice. And for you, it truly is yoga and meditation is a lifestyle. These are your anchors. You walk the talk of what you're here to teach. So as we're looking for guides right now in this time of uncertainty, that's heightened, I guess you say, this is why it was so important for me to bring you on because I want to make sure that my listeners and my community are really getting access to deeply qualified people because we are all feeling so much more fragile than we have in the past, right? We're looking for the helpers and the healers. And I think it's so important to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with the right kind of people who are deeply in integrity with the messages uh, and not just, you know, Instagram, Instagram, the the Instagram people, right? So even I see it in the wellness industry, people are posting their workouts and doing their things. And then behind the scenes, they're, you know, emotionally eating, right? So they're, they're showing what they believe needs to be shown, but they're not actually really taking care of themselves. And I see this all the time. So yeah, I just wanted to circle back to that, the thinking we're fine. Yeah, the thinking we're fine and we're really not fine. And I think you and I have had this conversation before of many people who are in helping and healing professions, coaches, even doctors, 
yoga teachers, they are in a way codependent because they find their self-worth and the results their people get. So they do that in place of taking care of themselves. It's like the doctor who smokes. And I can't tell you how many yoga teachers I've mentored in their business. And they come to me saying, Sarah, I really need help with my finances. I really need help with my, they all think it's a social media problem. I need help with my social media marketing. That's what everyone thinks. And then as we start talking, what I really realize is they feel inauthentic because they're not doing what they need to do in their practice. And I have to say, it's not their fault. Yoga as taught in the United States is not the way it was intended to be taught from India and ancient beginnings. And so I find that as we address those issues and they feel more in integrity and they feel more authentic to what they're actually selling, it's easier to resolve the issues that are on the periphery, but those are not resolved until they first take care of themselves. And I think that this is what I always look for when I hire someone, a coach, a mentor, a teacher. Are they doing their practice? Are they supporting themselves? Because I have no space in my life for codependence anymore. I've done a lot of work to release that and take good care of myself. And let's acknowledge that there is work there for many of us. So on this podcast, it really is about supporting, you know, my busy, ambitious, high achievers, which most of them don't actually call themselves high achievers until we really unpack it. And they're like, Oh, okay. I see that now. Right. Like they're, they're even in denial of how much overdoing that they're doing. But you know, when we get into a crisis situation and we're talking about things like physical and emotional well-being, which is what this podcast is all about. This is when those behaviors that we haven't healed, those codependent behaviors really get the volume turned up on them. So those of you who are listening, who are caretakers, all of a sudden you're now doubling down on taking care of everybody else and not taking care of yourself. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring on Sarah and why I wanted to have this conversation because the work is in being aware of those behaviors that you can get caught into that are going to rob you of your physical and emotional well-being. And now more than ever, we want to be here to take care of other people. But if we are not taking care of ourselves, we are not going to be able to run this marathon and come out the other side stronger for it. So although it's challenging with everything that's going on, to put yourself first. What does it look like to put yourself first? What behaviors, what activities do you need to get yourself grounded in so that you can really show up for the long haul, whether it's in your business, whether it's leading your family. And I know for me, coming back to a practice of meditation, because that kind of went on the back burner when I was getting ready to compete, just because of the, you know, I could spend all day, let's be, let's face it, right? Like I'm running a business, I've got a lot of clients that I'm supporting and I could literally spend hours and hours self-caring myself. So between everything that was going on in the gym, food prep, everything, meditation was the first thing to go for me. So I'm not even going to try and pretend like, yes, I've been meditating too. No, I haven't. However, my time in the gym, when I'm plugged in, in my music, in my body, counting my sets and reps, to me is a form of meditation. 
it's not Buddhist form of meditation, but it is a form of meditation for me. However, creating space now and making it non-negotiable to just get quiet, even if it's for five or 10 minutes, is moving up my list of priorities. Because again, if I'm going to continue to be here and lead everybody who's tuning in, who's looking for some peace and grounding, I need to make sure that I'm taking divine care of myself so that I can show up as a powerful leader. And I know that you are doing the same for people. Like we are really being called to step into our work uh, because we are in such integrity with our work and we care so much about the people that we serve. Yeah. And I've, full disclosure, I'm a human too. And I've noticed this week as our whole world essentially has gone into crisis mode, I've been doing my meditation and watching my mind be much more active than usual. Mm. I've watched myself have that inner conversation a few times of, well, maybe I'll meditate for a shorter duration today and then I'll get right to the doing. And I'm watching these old perfectionistic overdoing tendencies try to come back. And thankfully, due to years of practice, I'm able to say, ah, oh, I know what that is. And I'm not willing to go there. As opposed to judging myself like I would have done a long time ago, even a few years ago, oh, you've regressed, that's bad. Shame on you. And so it's interesting to be able to watch these tendencies, which you and I know now are mm -hmm. trauma responses. Yeah. And not judge ourselves for having these responses because I think there's also something going on in the online world where people are either going on as if everything's fine or they're in full reactivity mode and trying to pivot their whole business and sell all the kinds of new things and whatnot. And neither of those are really the way. I feel like my job and your job now is to steer the ship through the storm. And unfortunately, we don't know how long the storm is going to be or how big it is or how wild it's going to get. But we serve nobody if we're spinning the wheel and going in all different directions and sinking the ship. That's so. Right. Yeah. Steadiness is really the word that I'm using to anchor myself. It's, you know, for everybody listening right now, we all know everything's going to be fine, right? We have history to show us that humans are resilient. Everything will be fine. We don't know what that new normal is going to look like, but we will have a new normal. You know, forests burn down all the time. They give birth to a lot of life. When things like this happen, so many people rise up, they find new ways. I think a lot more parents are going to be looking at homeschooling as a really viable option instead of just sending their kids to school. I personally am really hoping that people really take their health and wellness much more seriously instead of you know realizing this is not optional because things like this are always going to happen in the world. How can I make sure I'm showing up knowing I'm taking really great care of myself? We're going to see a lot of businesses rise and embrace the digital age because, you know, my business has been online now for four years and people are still like, what do you, what do you mean your business runs online? What does that look like? So we're going to see a lot of things really rise up and we're going to see a lot of things that don't work start to fall away. So, you know, it's just kind of nature uh, taking over everything. But now is the time also that we get to look at what boundaries do we need to establish for ourselves so that we can thrive? Because I, like you, it's so easy for me to go into caretaking because I do care a lot. So walking that line of caring 
and really getting clear on, but what are the things that I really need to care about and what is the order that I need to care about them in? With me being number one, that's not about being selfish. It's about making sure I get rest, play, I'm eating properly, I'm you know hydrating myself, I'm making sure that I'm slowing down and connecting, looking at my clients that I need to take care of. And instead of going into this place of how can I help everybody, doubling down on how can I already help the community that I'm serving, but go deeper with them? Is it extra podcasts? And they don't even have to be, like, I don't even have to officially say, we're going to go to two a week. Like some weeks, maybe there'll be two. Some weeks, maybe there'll be three. What communities have I not been showing up in fully where I can give back more? It's not about scrambling and getting on, you know, what are all the opportunities here that I want to embrace? It's what's already in front of me that I can go deeper with. Because the people that we're surrounded with right now, and I've said this to my mastermind, I've said this to you, people won't remember what you said to them, but they'll always remember how you made them feel in these times. And I'm really here to support people knowing that everything's going to be okay on the other side, but also allowing them to experience the range of emotion that is going to happen on the way to that new normal, you're going to feel grief and joy at the same time. You are going to be sad some days. Fear is going to sneak in. You have the power to choose how you want to shift all these things with the tools that you, you know, you teach Sarah and that, that I coach people on. We always get to control what we're thinking and what we're feeling. We can take a step back. But first we have to give ourselves permission to be human through it all. And right now it's kind of like this war going on. You either have to be in the side of like, peace, everything's fine, right? Peace sign. Or the, like you said, the side of people that are panicking. Instead of saying, you know what, we can be compassionate for where everybody is at, but how can we take more responsibility for where we're at, how we're showing up and where we need to give ourselves even more compassion as we navigate these things, right? I'm a peaceful person yes. and I lost my shit the other day and I came back to peace. I needed to have yes. that emotional release in order to come back to this place because otherwise I was just stuffing it down, pretending like I've got this, I'm fine, I'm detached, I've surrendered, it's all okay. Instead of yeah. saying, all these things have changed in my life in a very short amount of time. Why is it that I'm totally okay with everything? What do I need to express in this moment? So do you want to talk more things, to that? Yeah. One of the things that you just mentioned that really landed with me was that you had to have your moment of emotion. You had to have your tantrum essentially. Mm -hmm. And then you came back to peace. And the reason you were able to come back to peace is because this is something I think is put beautifully in the Yoga Sutras in Sutra 210. And it literally says, this is something, mind you, that was composed about 1500 years ago. Nobody knows the exact date, but it talks about the human mind and how it works. And the ancient sage Patanjali who composed it did not create yoga, but he's responsible for cataloging it in an order and a process. Says in this particular sutra, when everything seems fine, when everything is going well, that's the time to be hypervigilant in your practice and take care of yourself. So the reason you were able to come back to peace is because you've been hypervigilant in giving yourself what you need. The reason I'm seeing students of mine this week be okay amidst 
not just chaos, but really serious chaos and students who are responsible for other people's lives. So I had a conversation with a student who I've worked with with three years the other day say, you know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. If I have to close my factory, I'm going to lose two to $3 million a week. And guess what? We just had an order today from the governor saying non-essential workplaces must close, which means he has to close his factory. Mm-hmm. And I had a session with him yesterday and he's okay. It's not ideal. He knows he will survive. The reason he's able to be okay and to be unhappy with this reality and also okay is because he's been doing the work on the days when he wants to, on the days when he doesn't want to, on the days when he feels great, on the days when he doesn't feel great. And that's something that's so crucial for everyone listening to understand is because we get to a place where everything seems good. And then we think, oh, maybe I'll skip that meditation today. Or maybe I'll skip that workout today. My body looks good. I feel good. When really you're adding these essentially deposits in your spiritual bank account when you take these steps. And the more you deposit into that bank account, when everything is going well, the more you can make a withdrawal during a time like this and you can handle it. And it's really hard for people. It's possible, but it's harder for people to embrace these tools and these habits when they're already in a state of panic, which is where we are now. I so agree. Which is where we are now. This is what you know, coaching is all about. It's doing the work. It's doing the work day in and day out, having the conversations because when the rubber hits the road, that's where you see how much of this work you've embodied. And I can tell you that who I was being when 9-11 hit, I was very reactive. I had no boundaries. I watched all the TV. I felt responsible for feeling everybody's feelings. Now imagine that. I personally felt like I could not turn off the TV because who was I to turn off the TV and go back to my happy little world? I was pregnant at the time while so many people were suffering. Like I felt responsible for feeling the world's pain. So who I was being then versus who I'm being now excuse me, radically different. But that's because this has been for me, you know, over eight years of working on these behaviors and releasing them. And that's why now is such a great time to be working with a coach or to be working with someone like you, because you're having to learn in real time. You're giving, the universe is giving us practice activities by the hour, right? This is why I'm so adamant with my clients right now, be in Voxer, which is a a voice app I use to communicate with my clients, be in Voxer, because this is the time we're going to be able to shift things so much faster because you're having to be in the work. We're not just talking about like some theory out here of, oh, what happens if my mother-in-law triggers me? It's, oh, what happens if you have to suddenly lock your family in a house? for a month, which is what's happening in in California now. And I'm sure it's going to trickle down to where I am as well. Like we just can kind of see it flowing, right? Like a river, it's just kind of flowing down. How do we, how do you deal with your kids freaking out at home? Is it really about your kids freaking out or is it because you're freaking out and they're just mirroring that energy back to you? So if you, if I want you to listen to that again, where is your energy? Where is your attention? Because your kids are just like little, little energetic sponges. So it's just, it's such a fascinating, this sounds horrible. It's such a fascinating time in the world to really watch human behavior and to really watch our own human behaviors and to learn. This is such an opportunity for us to connect in with ourselves and learn about ourselves if we're willing 
to, to be with ourselves and to slow down and tune in. Yeah. Yeah. It's so wild too how many people, and in New York, we're not using the phrase shelter in place, but it's essentially the same stipulations as California has at this point. So different language, same result. What's and the language they're using in New York for it? Non-essential workers must stay home. So non-essential meaning if you're not a medical worker or, you know, supporting the government in an essential way, stay home. Work from home, fine, but otherwise stay home. Um, food service needs to stay open, of course. Pharmacies need to stay open. Um, and if you read the rules about shelter in place, it's the same thing. You're allowed to go outside and take a walk and exercise in both cases. You're not allowed to go to the gym. And the reason our governor said he will not use the phrase shelter in place is because he said it's the phrase used during a shootout. You're supposed to shelter in place to hide. And he's like, people don't need any more fear right now. We're good. Thanks. In that department. So we're not using that language. You know, use your brain. In other words, make smart choices. And if we find that you are grossly overstepping your boundaries, we will find you. You will shut down your business if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. But otherwise, you know, it's the same thing, essentially. And how I'm hearing people say things like, oh, I'm bored. I'm sucking the kids and we're all climbing the walls because we're in the house. And it's like, we all have 24 hours in a day. How you choose to use those 24 hours is totally up to you. Certainly, circumstances are not perfect in my house right now, but I'm still holding boundaries around what I need. I'm also having to check myself and be really compassionate with my family and ask them, what do you need? My extrovert eight-year-old daughter misses her friends. So even though I'm not huge on the screen time, I'm letting her video chat with her friends because it brings her so much joy. Even though my husband also runs a business and he's making some huge decisions this week and he's wound really tight. I'm reminding him, what do you need? Do you need to go exercise for an hour. I'll cover things here. And I think that simple thing of communicating your needs is something that people don't do. And then they blame the other people in their house for not, I can't work out. I don't have the time. Well, have you said to everyone else in your house, Hey, I need this and taken responsibility for it. It's something that I've noticed a lot of, you know, in the behaviors I've witnessed with this less than ideal situation yeah. of so much togetherness. I think emotional outbursts too, you know, if you're seeing mm. it in your kids and you're seeing it in your partner, I think it's really imperative that you pay attention to what, what your partner might be freaking out about has nothing to do with that. And it's yeah. just a way of them moving emotion that they haven't actually tuned into, you know, this, this little mini tantrum that I had, it started uh, with, these kind of little mini outbursts with Macy, like just, you know, wanting to be heard and him going into his behavior of wanting to fix it and me actually yelling, which I never do. Normally I can just say like, look at like, you know, I just need you to listen to me. But this was like a full on explosion. Like I need you to just listen to me. Don't project your stuff onto me. Right. Just completely lost it. And that's when I realized this isn't about him. This isn't about what he's saying or doing. I am looking for a way to diffuse emotion that I'm not wanting to be with. And I need to just pause. I need to hit the pause button 
I need to have a good cry. I need to get into my journal. I need to really acknowledge what is going on for me here. And I love what you said about taking responsibility for asking yourself what you need. And for people who don't have this language yet, asking them what they need. And if they say, I don't know, asking better questions, you know, well, what makes you feel good? What things would make you feel happier? Do you need to move your body? Like we can all support each other in figuring out what it is we need to thrive through this time. I mean, these are some of the questions we're asking in our house. I said to the kids last yeah. night, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. So we're not in panic mode, but let's just play the what if game. If we couldn't leave the house, for two weeks or four weeks, God help me, we would get through it. <laughs> what do we need to bring into the house? What games do you want? What art supplies do you need? There's a lot of art happening in our house, which is really cool to see. What things do you need to feel supported during this time? And please don't tell me you need all the Doritos because that's gonna be on you. I'm not going out and buying Doritos. But also me being clear, here's what I need from you. I can't do all your dishes. I'm not a short order cook. I need space in my kitchen. I need everybody to retire to their rooms at a certain time so that we can have some peace and quiet. We've set boundaries around the news, social media. Um, I'm really looking at, again, my behaviors around social media, where I need to turn things off, where I need to you know, unplug my phone, take apps off, all of those things. Now is the time for us to really be looking at what we need. Absolutely. I've acknowledged that I need some space this weekend because of course being in the wellness business and having practiced yoga, not just for a year because it's cool and trendy, but for 17, I've been practicing for 20 years. I've been teaching for 17 years. My business has never been busier with more demand. I've never been asked to contribute more to articles and podcasts and give my insight in all different, you know, groups and it's beautiful and I love the opportunity and I've never had to manage this with children home. So it's been a lot and I have recognized that I do need more space than I've been giving myself in this experimental first week of having everyone in the house at the same time. So I messaged my clients today, especially the yoga teachers who I'm supporting, who I'm seeing thrive through this and it's beautiful to watch that and saying, hey, I'm anticipating next week's going to be another big week for us. I want you to know you're fully supported. Let's make sure we check in today. And if you're going to need support over the weekend and gearing up for next week, I will not leave you behind. Let's book a time to connect on purpose so that way we can both shut things down aside from that time because I want you to rest and I also need to rest so I can be there for you. So it really felt bold in me to have that conversation because it's boundary practice. And our boundaries will always change. And usually on the weekends, I just shut everything down and I don't even think about it, but I'm recognizing my people might need more support now and I want to be there for them. So how can I do that in a way that still honors me? Right. And you're able to do that. And I'm able to do that for my people because of the care and attention we've taken to take care of ourselves, yeah. right? In now I've got the reserves in the tank to do this. Whereas for so many people, they were already working on that edge of burnout. Their adrenals were already, you know, kind of shot. Um, and now they're being called, you know, now they're trying to overdo everything else. So yeah. you very graciously came into my weight loss from within community this week. Of course, I can always convince Sarah to do 
stuff for me because we love each other, um, which was awesome. And you did a a really short guided meditation. So my question for you is, I know we're going to direct people over to either your Instagram or your website to download a journaling and meditation course that you have. Did you want to do a short meditation here or would you, would you be open to see, I'm going to ask her live now and put her on the spot. Would you be open to recording just, you know, what we did in the group, but as a separate recording so people could download just listening to you doing what we can talk about it now, but then send them to a separate recording so they don't have to listen to not that you guys shouldn't be listening to this amazing conversation, but then you can go directly to just, here's the audio of a guided meditation to walk them through that. I think that that would be really beautiful not to put more work on your plate, but I'm. No, I have that. And we can pop that into the show notes so that people can just click and do it. And it's so easy and straightforward. And that's what I'm about because if it's not easy right now, people are not doing it. No, I, so I've always done guided meditation. I think I've, I've told you this because I like to have my brain focused on something. There was a time where I couldn't meditate at all because I had squirrel mind. That doesn't happen anymore. Now I can sit for five or 10 minutes and be quiet. I've also done a four hour sit silently with no pen and paper and nothing. And I didn't die. And I learned a lot about myself. Uh, things that I think are hard are things like sitting still for that long and being quiet. Whereas you load up a sled in the gym with 300 pounds, no problem. I'll push it. So, you know, what is hard for me looks different than what is hard for other people. So this meditation that you walked us through, which is really just counting your breaths and I'm going to let you dive into it was really powerful for me. It gave my brain something to focus on. It was simple, challenged me, which, you know, I shouldn't be getting competitive with meditation, but it challenged me to really stay focused, like just stay focused, Lisa. Let's see where you can get to with just staying focused. And that really works for my brain that loves goals and achievement. So do you want to share with everybody what this looks like, where this practice started from, Yeah, your experience with it? In yoga, there's something called a drishti in Sanskrit, and that means a focal point. So when you're doing a practice of poses on your yoga mat, ideally, if you're doing it well with a good teacher, you, in every single pose that you do, have a very specific place where you're looking with your eyes, and you're not taking your eyes away from that one point. And the reason is that you want to lessen the visual stimuli because more visual stimuli will cause your mind to wander. So essentially, what all meditation techniques ideally do, but especially this one, is it gives your mind a focal point so that when your mind wanders off, as it will, because we're all human, you have someplace specific to return to and bring it back. And it's very much like a shepherd with a flock of sheep. A sheep will wander off, you bring the sheep back and keeps everybody on course. So that's why I love this because it's so simple. You just use the breath and essentially you count the breath. And it comes from the Zen Buddhist tradition of meditation. And Zen Buddhism specifically is a very simple, straightforward, pragmatic way of practice. And you're not doing fancy visualizations. You don't need the perfect meditation cushion. You could just sit in a chair or on the floor and you're literally counting your breath and you count up to 10. Ideally, when you hit 10, you go back and you count again. However, 
the minute your mind wanders any place, you go back and you start at one again. This sounds so easy. I cannot say enough how people hear about this technique. They think, I've got it, no problem. I'll see how many times I get to 10 and start back at one again. And I taught it to a group of women the other day and one of the women messaged me and said, I meditated again today and I still haven't gotten to three yet. And I said, good, this is what practice is. And for me, when I started meditating, I was 25, I'd been doing yoga for probably five years. The yoga on the mat was far easier for me than sitting, as you mentioned. So I can really relate to that. And I was being taught meditation by a dear friend who was a Zen Buddhist monk after he had practiced law for many years and gave that up eventually. And he would openly say, you know, meditation saved my life. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without this. And it sounded nice, but I didn't really know what he meant. And he taught me meditation when I was sitting with him, it was doable and I enjoyed it. And I felt stillness. And then when I went home to do it by myself, things went off the rails and my mind was all over the place and it felt hard and uncomfortable physically. Like my legs would fall asleep after sitting for so long. It felt uncomfortable mentally because I was so confronted with everywhere my mind was going. And I went back to him a couple of weeks later and he said, oh, hey, how's your meditation practice going? I said, it sucks. I want to quit. I'm really good at doing yoga. I'm going to leave meditating to the good meditators. I'm not good at this. And he just chuckled and said, well, what's not good about it? And I said, my mind is all over the place. And it's really hard to sit for that long. He said, well, how long are you sitting? I said, 30 minutes. He said, well, why are you sitting for so long? I said, isn't that what you're supposed to do? He said, no. Why don't you start with five minutes, Sarah? This is classic overachiever here, thinking that if I didn't do 30 minutes, it wasn't enough, it didn't count, et cetera. And so he said, in fact, let's not even call it meditation. Let's call it sitting. Are you capable of just sitting down for five minutes a day? And I said, yeah, I can do that. He said, okay, great. Next step, when you're sitting and you're counting your breath and you're watching your mind wander and you're bringing it back to number one over and over again, bring it back without judging it. There's no such thing as a good or bad practice doesn't exist. You're just sitting and practicing. And I thought, huh, I never even thought about that. I'll try this again. I won't quit yet. I still thought that I was going to end up quitting, but I said, I'm not, I'm not going to quit yet. And so I tried his suggestions and it started to take root. It started to click. I started to feel like five minutes was getting easier. And he said, when five minutes is easy, go to seven minutes. I said, okay. And I did. And I can't express how it changed the way I react to everything in life. And one of the reasons that happens is because in this particular style of meditating, when you sit down to meditate, you commit to not fidgeting at all for those few minutes. So if your foot falls asleep, you just leave it alone. You don't move it. You don't massage it, which never helps anyway. If your nose itches, you don't scratch it, you just stay put. And the reason for that is because we're trying to train our mind not to be so reactive. And if we can't tell our mind to just leave it when we're sitting in a safe place and nothing earth shattering is happening, 
we're never going to be able to control our mind when things really big happen, like we're in right now. So it taught me that I don't have to react to everything. You know, when someone leaves me a hateful comment through text or whatever, I don't have to react. I can believe it. When someone comes home, like if my husband's had a tough day at work and he comes home and he's really angry and I can feel his energy has been really intensified throughout his day, I don't have to react. I don't have to nudge him to calm down. I can just smile, send him love and let him have his own process. I don't have to react to everything. So that's what this is for. If you're wondering, why am I bothering with this? Why will this help me in any way? Shouldn't I be busy? Shouldn't I be doing the things? Remind yourself that while you can't see the benefits of meditation, it's not like you're going to watch your waist get smaller necessarily, but you will feel a difference in yourself as you no longer care about things that used to push your buttons. I love this so much because what we're really talking about is the, is training your brain to stop reacting to life and to be able to respond, right? You can respond to the fact that, okay, my foot fallen asleep and I don't need to do anything with it, right? Whereas reacting is how can I fix this right away? The other thing is around the non-attachment and not having any judgment if you have to bring it back to one. For so many of the women I work with, me included, like that used to kill me the attachment to the outcome and the attachment to the achievement. And I mean, you know, I've just had to let go of attachment to going on stage this year. It's not happening. And I didn't have to freak out or react to it. So this practice is really, there's so much growth available, right? Like, what do you make it mean if you only get to three and you have to go back to one? right? Like honor that part of you. That's like, this sucks. I want to get to 10. Cause I know I was there. I'm like, but I want to get to 10. I want to master it. So I'm using that. I'm using that to allow me to continue to practice because it's a great goal, but I'm not attached to when I'm going to get to 10 without my mind wandering. That's the difference. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's what allows me, whether it's in the gym or with this to be committed to the journey and not attached to the outcome and continually yeah. releasing the, the judgment around what, I, what are you making it mean that your mind is busy? What are you making it mean that you can't get past three? What are you making yeah. it mean that you, know, you can't sit still? What if that's it's just really a process? Why, that's right. And that's really why I went to my teacher and said, I'm going to quit. It wasn't that the meditation itself was hard, though it was for me at that time. It was because I felt like a failure. I mm. was making it mean that I was a failure because I couldn't do it perfectly. That's why I wanted to quit. That's why it was so confronting. It had nothing to do with the number I got to. I probably could have gotten to nine, which would have been amazing and still felt that way because it wasn't perfect. So Mm. I think that's one of the reasons why you sitting is so important. It's going to show you, it's going to push you into all these different corners of yourself that you never see when you're doing anything and you're just sitting with who you are. Okay, Sarah, so where can everybody go to find this guided meditation and start this practice? What's the link? The easiest way to find me is go to Instagram and follow me, Sarah Intonato. And in there, you'll have a link that takes you to all relevant things. My 10-day anxiety release program, which is free, and it's meditation and journaling different types of meditations. There'll be a link there to my 
free guided meditation. That's the one we're talking about. It's simple. It's eight minutes. And that's the easiest place to find me. And I give a lot of valuable content there, just showing how these things can help you in life every single day. Okay. I will post the link in the show notes for those of you who are like, well, how do you spell your name? Cause I always have to look it up. It's I it's Sarah S A R A I N T O N A T O. So Sarah, Sarah Intonato. Uh, so you can find her over on Instagram. I will also put the link to her website. I'll put, I'll open them up on Instagram and I will also post the links directly to, cause I've got a lot of people like who aren't on Instagram. I'm like, why are you not yeah. on Instagram? Like that's where I post all my content now. So I'm trying to get everybody over there, okay. uh, but I'm, I'm also mindful of a lot of people don't want to be on social media at all. So providing them with the links off. So I will, if you want those, they will be in the show notes. I will put all yes. of them, all the places yes. where you can find uh, Sarah, her amazing guided meditation, her journaling program. She's got a cord cutting meditation, which is going to come. That's in the 10 day program. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's, yep. it's, it's amazing. And you can learn all about cord cutting. So thank you so much for joining me again. I'm sure you will be back because we just always have so much to talk about. And I think there's so much value and crossover in what we do. And I'm a really big believer that we can have many messengers we're all delivering the same message. We all deliver it in our own unique way. And something you'll say, somebody will hear in a different way that I've been saying it, and it'll land for them. And that is so important to me right now that I make sure that I bring on all the amazing messengers that I know uh, to support you, not in getting you into overwhelm of knowing all the things or knowing all the people, but trusting that everybody who's tuning into this show is going to find the people that they need to guide the next part of their journey. So it's not about taking in all the information, but follow those intuitive hits. So if you feel really called to check out Sarah's stuff, please make sure you do. You'll be better for it. I know I'm better for knowing her. So thank you so much for you. coming on. It's been an amazing conversation. And I will see every, do you, is there anything you want to close with? Let's, let's end with that and then we'll close out the show. Yeah. Final thoughts from somebody who wants to or wanted to overdo any everything back in the day. My parting advice to everybody is: you can start meditating by reminding yourself to pause and take three slow, full, complete, deep breaths at any time. It's extra potent if you do it before you click send, or start your car, or get into bed at night. And remind yourself you get to choose. And just by taking those three full, complete breaths, you're going to make a better choice with whatever comes on the other side of that. Mm. This is the time, everybody. This is the time for everybody to just pause. The earth is asking us to do that. So lean in. All that time you didn't have to start that meditation practice that you wanted to start, guess what? You have the time now. So what's going to be your excuse now? Stop making excuses. This is an opportunity for you to really make a better life for yourself. So thank you again for tuning in to this episode of the Full Frontal Living Podcast. To my guest, Sarah, for being here. And I'm wishing you all peace, 
and remember to make sure that you are making yourself your number one priority because right now more than ever, the world needs all of us to rise up, let go of our head trash and really take good care of ourselves so that we can take better care of everybody else. I'll see you all on the next episode.